0: That's shopify.com slash special offer.
2: You ready for this one, Scottie? I am having a great day. I'm ready for this one.
1: This is one of my favorite titles. Okay. Here is a turtle that pees through its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's a, that's a banana story, all right.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bananas. Uh, I'm your host, Kurt
2: Oler, And I'm Scotty Landis. Welcome to the Bananas podcast, the silliest podcast there ever was. Today we have such a cool guest. We have an extraordinary guest. This is a young woman who, by the age of 19, has already attended seven space camps, Space Academy three times, Robotics Academy once. She's given TED Talks. She wants to be (laughs) the first person to step foot on Mars, and we're fully behind her. Her name
1: is... Alyssa Carson. Hi. Hi, Alyssa. So you are, uh, just for our listeners, you are the youngest astronaut. You will You will essentially, your plan is to go to Mars, to be the first astronaut on Mars.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the ultimate goal would be, um, you know, to be able to be on one of those missions to Mars. Um, you know, obviously the first would be pretty cool, but sadly, as an astronaut, you don't really get to pick and choose which missions you go no. on. So, um, <laughs> You know the first would be pretty cool but uh, we'll see if that if that actually happens.
1: What kind of training do you do? as a 19 year old astronaut.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, basically, so essentially what I'm doing is almost like building a resume to be able to apply to the astronaut selection process in the future, because you have to have cool. you know, a college degree and those kinds of things to actually apply. Um, but basically I work with a citizen science research group, which basically just means like everyday people contributing to some kind of research. So I've been able cool. to kind of like start with them and do some research, but all of that can eventually be put on a resume or relate to space because we'll do, you know, microgravity, Flights, or spacesuit evaluations, or um, you know, decompression training, water survival, any sort of cool. um, stuff similar to what astronauts do.
1: And you went to a program called Possum, which is a suborbital training program. <laughs>
0: Yes. So um, what does that mean? Yeah. So basically, so the name of the program is Project Possum. Um, So not as like the animal. So actually, Possum is an acronym, which actually stands for polar suborbital science in the upper mesosphere, which is basically just a really complicated way of saying that they do science in the upper atmosphere. So basically um, their main research is actually studying this type of cloud in the upper atmosphere. Um, But like I said, we also do other research and other cool tasks with different space companies or even, even just doing physical, you know, human factor research.
1: Oh, wow. So what is, what was, what's been the most, uh, as Scotty said, what's the been the most bananas thing you've done in your training?
0: (laughs) Um, I mean, I would definitely say the water survival thing that I did. Yeah. Um, just because, so basically we were there for two weeks. So like the first week was more like basic water survival, you know, like living in life raft and that kind of thing. But then we threw in for the second week, we threw in more of like a space side. So we were like swimming in spacesuits. We were pulling ourselves into life rafts, <laughs> all spacesuits. We were like just trying to do anything. We had like these giant like floaties that would like pop out, like almost under the armpit. And that was like our flotation device so we were testing those and they just really didn't work well um but yeah we were we had a huge mock-up capsule and we were basically testing how you would escape from it um if there happened to be a leak
1: whoa so there was like a capsule underwater you're in a spacesuit, and they flood it and you have to escape
0: okay so not quite like all the way underwater capsule so like basically right capsule right on the surface of the water Um, so it'd be almost like If you had crash landed back Um, and then um, basically we did like a side hatch and a top hatch. So coming out the side of the capsule and we would slide down into the water um, and then swim and then get into the life raft or we would climb out the top and we'd have to like basically belay down the entire side of it um, and then get into a life raft.
2: That's so cool. You have to – I bet you excel at escape rooms. Have you ever done an escape room? Because if not, uh, I'm taking you with me. I really
0: enjoy them. I really enjoy them.
2: (laughs) I had the funniest (laughs) experience. I've only done it once. Um, It's actually not my kind of thing overall. I I don't know why. Like I'm not like a big games night guy, and and then escape room is like a fully interactive version of that. But the funniest thing happened. We – we went with a you know, group of older people. We had all gone out, had a couple drinks, that sort of thing. And at the end, we find a hard drive. And then you stick the hard drive in this printer. And then you have to print like the escape code or whatever. And so we stuck the hard drive into the computer, into the printer, and pressed print. And uh, it said it was out of ink. So then we all just started hunting for ink. And we're looking around. And then this employee just knocks on the door. And he's like... I forgot to change the, the ink. <laughs> you, guys, you guys won. Stop looking around for ink, you bozo idiots. Um, but it was fantastic. I actually saw some video of you getting tipped upside down and blindfolded and then having to come out. And that, I think for a lot of people, uh, being blindfolded alone is creepy, but then being submerged while buckled and secured on, upside down and then to escape. It's pretty cool. That training seems pretty fun.
0: Yeah, no, for that one, you know, in particular, we were mainly focusing on, you know, how do you, you know, manage being so disoriented underwater because, you know, you lose so many senses if you're submerged underwater. And, um, you know, that skill that we were kind of testing was also, you know, something you could apply if, you know, your car goes underwater and you're buckled in your seatbelt, you know. So basically they had us blindfolded, we we're buckled into a seat, we had a fake window that we had to push out and stuff. So, wow. Um, it was pretty cool.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And also, from one of your TED Talks, um, this is something I didn't know is that you don't like actually, you have to be something first before you actually become an astronaut. Yeah. Right? Like, and what are you planning on like studying uh, and becoming before you become an astronaut and then before you become the first person on Mars? I'm yeah, we're betting on that. you. Nope. I'm sticking with that. Very first person on Mars. Yes.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, totally. I mean, it's not like you can go to college and major in becoming an astronaut. You know, it's not necessarily <laughs> um, quite that simple, sadly. Um, so there's, you know, so many different fields you can go into. Um, so it's really kind of all about whatever your personal interest is. So I'm currently studying astrobiology. Um, so basically what that means is like almost kind of like anything living in space, but also kind of almost practically anything in space because, you know, with astrobiology, you can study from bacteria to plants to entire solar systems if you really want to. So, um, you just kind of have a huge variety of stuff you're able to study
1: very cool and also uh, obviously for is the plan once you're on mars you'd have to grow all your own food and everything correct
0: um well i mean definitely we're gonna ha- going to have to kind of rely on growing food to at least an extent you know we'll probably bring some food with us as well but we're gonna have to grow most of it so that's gonna be a huge part of what we do
1: wow that's nice. so cool. Someone, if- if someone, say, like my daughter, becomes interested in wanting mm-hmm. to be an astronaut, mm-hmm. um, you, what would you recommend that she do? Because I know you completed, like NASA's, passport program you're one of the only people who's ever completed the passport program is that true
0: yeah so i mean so a lot of the things that i did like when i was younger and stuff so like the passport program was like going and like visiting the 14 nasa visitor centers like all around the country and that kind of thing um but a lot of the stuff that i did when i was younger was really just kind of helping me learn about space learn about the opportunities in space what i could do mm-hmm. um and then kind of you know taking that knowledge and figuring out you know what kind of career I would have, Go into mm-hmm. what kind of astronaut I would want to be. Um, so that was kind of super helpful. But I mean, in terms of like other people, you know, wanting to get into becoming an astronaut, and that kind of thing, it's kind of just all about like starting and figuring out what you're interested in. Because if you're looking at becoming an astronaut, you know, you can go into the military, you can take more of a civilian route, you can study mm-hmm. science or become a pilot or study medicine, or, you know, there's just so many different options. So you kind of have to play around a little bit to figure out, you know, what. Kind of career you would want to be you can, you have to kind of put astronaut kind of in the back of your mind because yeah you have to pursue some more other career first
1: right of course well i'm so excited that you're here and that you're going to be the first person on mars do you want to hear about this turtle that pisses through its mouth I would yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the the title that i read here is a turtle that pees through its mouth is from grist This was sent in, by the way, uh, from a listener, Lieutenant Dan Ice Cream. This is Mm -hmm. the second time Dan Ice Cream has gotten a story on the podcast, so congratulations, The dude knows his bananas, yeah. Um, But I I wanted to go, because I don't don't recognize Grist, uh, so I went and looked it up, and here's an article. The original article is from Discover Magazine. Legit, legit. And the title is, This Chinese Turtle Urinates Through Its Mouth. And it is, <laughs> I will read, this is from Discover, is written by, um, by Ed Young. Thank you, Eddie. Uh, so, this, the Chinese soft-shelled turtle looks like someone glued the snout of a pig onto the face of a fish with mm-hmm. the texture of a scrotum for good measure. Okay. And that is the best first <laughs> sentence of any science article I've ever read. Uh, but its bizarre appearance pales in comparison to an even more bizarre and newly discovered habit. It expels waste through its mouth. So, oh my God. yes. So basically, the way this turtle does it is, you know, when it breaks down uh waste uh in its blood through the liver, it ends up with an abundance of nitrogen, mm. uh, which obviously it expels from its body in the form of urea. But it doesn't have kidneys. Okay. Uh, so instead. It has gills in its cheeks, and it just flushes water in and out, and expels the urea through its mouth. So the God. gills, and it actually cleans the blood twenty-five to thirty times faster, uh, or oh, fifteen to fifty times faster than kidneys would, which I is know. fascinating. It's a really great turtle that pisses through its mouth, and it's very efficient. That's a uh...
0: It would, Questions? Yeah. yeah, I have, you know, I'm thinking, you know, it's fun to like bring that to like microgravity and just see like, you know, it like just peeing through its mouth and the pee just like floating away from it like. Yeah. I wonder if it would like repel it or This is maybe
1: a, This is maybe a new engine idea uh for NASA. I know. I have not. Could that I seems like it? a crazy thing where
2: it's like they if you witnessed a, f- oh, so Kurt and I almost, we did a TV pilot years ago where we were trying to figure out, oh, like, yes. it was called uh, Bigger, Dumber, Faster. And of course, it didn't get made. Um, but one of the ideas we were going to do was we wanted to um, jumpstart evolution. So we were going to take a crocodile on that zero G plane that goes up and down and then you float. Uh, with the idea so that we were to- gonna take a dinosaur into space and it was just gonna be Kurt <laughs> floating through the air. And then one of our producers was like, Well what if it regurgitates and barfs all over you? And we were like, that would be the dream
1: scenario. And I think this turtle is gonna lead the way. This is and we we had we like literally had a producer like budget it out. And we found out th- that that zero G plane costs a ton of money mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let us bring an alligator in it. <laughs> Shocking. Well, Shocking. You see, with
0: the zero G planes, what you have to do is you have to put like some, you know, come up with some kind of experiment where it's like useful. Yes. And then NASA approves it and then it's free.
1: Uh, we oh, we could have done it that gosh. way. Oh, I wish we had known that. We needed you back then. <laughs> Instead, what our idea was, we wanted to bring a flightless bird and give him the gift of flight. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to bring a, pe- uh, a penguin on a blimp, but yep. we couldn't get a penguin or a blimp, so we brought a chicken on a hot air balloon. Yep. Um, which Snowflake. we you at some point. It was pretty great. So uh, have Scott, you, you done, me done
2: me. a micro... Well, have you ever done microgravity? Have you done one of these float around zero-g
1: things? I've seen a video of her do microgravity. Oh, cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, I have. Um, the one that I did was up in Canada. So it wasn't like zero-g, like the company here in the US that's like most popular for doing it. Um, and ours was a little different because uh, if you look at like the zero-g planes, like it's hollowed out basically with padding and stuff yeah ours was like packed full of like equipment and research and like seats and all sorts of other stuff so (laughs) we weren't like quiet as didn't quite have the luxury of just kind of like floating around having a good time um but it was still super super cool yeah, that's
1: And cool. the experiment you were doing was a, on like a new type of spacesuit?
0: Yeah. So basically the idea was, so the spacesuit company that we primarily work with is Final Frontier Spacesuit Design. And basically the goal was, it was the first time that we had the suit pressurized, so completely closed um, with its own oxygen flow and everything. Um, and basically the test was seeing how well you would be able to maneuver in the suit in microgravity. So each wow. parabola, we had a different task. So, um, you know, my job at that time was really just like making sure he was OK, because if he were to vomit in the suit, then it would just be a really bad day. So mm-hmm. big, um, mm-hmm. right. So my on job big was concern. Right. Mm-hmm. When he was lying um, that he was OK and stuff. But basically, you know, each each flight, <laughs> each flight, you know, he had to try to buckle a seatbelt or work on a busy board. And, you know, we were just seeing how well the suit works in microgravity.
1: Okay, cool. And then you also designed your own luggage for space. Is that correct? Ooh.
0: Yeah, so I did. I well, I guess I, me myself and I know. We um <laughs> it was kind of like a, a little bit of a partnership with the um with a luggage company called Horizon. Um, Horizon Studios, and they're kind of over in Germany. But basically, the idea mm-hmm. was because um, it was more of like a conceptual thing um, that mm-hmm. you know would eventually come to life in the future. Um, but kind of the idea was making luggage for space tourism. So since space tourism is coming about, you know, eventually, where oh, wow. when people want to go to space, they're mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna want to bring their belongings, and we can't have you know just everyday luggage just chilling yeah. floating around so the idea was trying to make something that would be functional for space but also look really cool
2: nice
0: Scotty. you got
1: another one for me
0: buddy i
2: do i actually i did some research this morning so i have some alyssa specific uh news yeah. stories so yeah. your call sign is blueberry correct
0: yes and we
2: don't show the video of this podcast. Uh, this is just an audio podcast. But Alyssa is wearing a flight suit right now that is blue. Is that where it comes from? Because you were very small compared to everybody else and wearing a blue flight suit?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, kind of the story behind Blueberry is basically the second time I went to space camp when I was... Uh, when I was younger, I wanted one of, like, the blue flight suits that everyone was wearing because I wanted mm-hmm. to be an astronaut, so I wanted to look like sure. one. Um But, yeah, it was actually too small to fit in any of them. Um, so what my dad ended up doing was basically finding, like, this knockoff one or just, like,
2: just, <laughs> just
0: not like what everyone else had. Um, but basically, it was just a really dark, dark shade of blue and just not really the right color. Just a little <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> So everyone told me it made me look like a blueberry um, because of how dark the color was. And so, you know, for the rest of the time at that at that camp, they would just say, you know, blueberry, can you do this, whatever it might be. And then, uh, you know, I was like, okay, you know, whatever came back the next year to space camp. And they were like, oh, it's blueberry. And I'm like, okay, it's continuing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Eventually, I just kind of just stopped wanting to fight it and just rolled with it. It's nice. pretty good.
2: I gotta say, it's a good one. That's a uh, and it's, it's a original. Kurt, who would you be? What would your call sign What would your call sign be?
1: Oh, tiny giraffe. Tiny giraffe. That's pretty yeah. good. You <laughs> want to fly?
2: If you're looking right and something's going wrong, you want tiny giraffe <laughs> right there. Um, what,
1: what would yours be, Scotty?
2: Oh, probably like uh, uh, like how about chamomile? Because uh, if things go bad, I'm just going to pretend to be asleep the entire time.
1: <laughs> you are. You actually are very calming. You'd be good to have on a space. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's story, Scott. Okay. So there, here's the headline: Wolves eat blueberries. That's Whoa. the title. Uh, this is,
2: is from CityPages.com, written by our absolute favorite Hannah Jones. And I'm just Hannah nailed this one. And this was from Today. Everyone. We have an important announcement to make. Wolves like blueberries. It's true. Some field biologists in northern Minnesota's greater Voyagers ecosystem caught them on film. So there is a video of this. I watched it. It's thrilling these wolves are hog wild about these little blue boys weird sentence uh (laughs) (laughs) scientists have known that wolves love berries since 2015 you would have thought this was longer but no but this is the first time they've ever gotten video evidence that's all thanks to tom gable and his colleagues at voyager's wolf project who got this footage while spying on wolves last summer the wolf project is a collaboration between voyager's national park never heard of it sounds pretty cool And the University of Minnesota. So the new footage, this actually gets more bananas than just uh, wolves eating blueberries. blueberries. Yeah, I know. Um, So the new footage suggests that blueberries might be a more important part of their diet than we originally thought. Uh, Maybe a starvation food because blueberries are much lower in calories than a hunk of organ meat. Again, crazy sentence. So here's where it gets a little weirder. Thanks to the paper, we also know that adult wolves will feed blueberries to their pups. Whatever you're picturing, it's grosser than that. Think about birds. According to an incredibly detailed account, a fellow researcher, Austin Homekeys, witnessed five pumps gathering around an adult wolf licking its mouth. After about 30 seconds, the adult wolf begins to puke up dinner. The pups eat the regurgitated food directly from the wolf's mouth as the adult slowly walked around and the other pups followed behind it. So basically, it baby birds it. These adult wolves are eating blueberries, chewing them with grass, and then barfing them onto the ground. And then all the little baby wolves, all the little pups go wild for it. Um... And then they have footage of it. I would recommend, uh, you guys can picture it, I'm sure, and your cars are at home.
1: But uh, guys, (laughs) wolves love blueberries. You heard it here first. What I love about science is how it is built by very small people pieces of information at a time. <laughs> yes. That it's just like one big sandcastle that's built by very small people. Like we finally have video proof of wolves eating yes. blueberries. Yes. Just finally locking in that last wolf behavior that we didn't know about.
2: And also, it's a the human assumption where we're projecting. Like, if I saw a wolf barfing blueberries, I'd be like, wolves hate blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> That wolf ate a blueberry and just was like, not for me.
1: Um, And they hate their kids.
2: And they hate their kids. Um, Here you go. I looked up some blueberry facts because I know you guys just need to know this. A single blueberry bush can produce as many as 6,000 blueberries a year. More than I thought. Uh, The United States is the world's largest producer of blueberries. Uh, In total, 690 million pounds were cultivated uh, and produced. And uh, British Columbia, beautiful. We love Canada. It's the largest high bush blueberry growing region in the world. I mean, this is big stuff.
1: Yeah. So if you want to give, I guess Alyssa, if you want to give your puppy a treat, I think I guess you know what to do now. Just chew up some blueberries and then vomit them <laughs> onto his mouth. Yeah,
0: the, we're we're not gonna do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Suit yourself. <laughs> Suit yourself. It's a real treat, though. Uh, did you know about wolves? The thing that I love about wolves, the fact that I found out about this, is that the researcher who, like the whole idea of an alpha dog is mm-hmm. this like theories, this idea that we have mm-hmm. in our culture that there's a thing that's an alpha dog and we apply it to human beings, like that guy's an alpha human being or whatever. Sure, Is that it's all fake. It's not real because the guy wrote this whole book because he was watching this group of wolves together and he assumed one wolf the one wolf was kind of doing all these things first before the other wolves. And he was like, that's the alpha wolf. He wrote this entire book about the alpha wolf. And then he went back the next year and found out that he was wrong. Oh, cool. That... It was actually just a family structure. It was an extended family structure, and that that was the eldest uh, male in the family structure. So it was kind of like the dad. So it wasn't that there's like this alpha wolf idea. It was just more of a family structure. So it wasn't a a society structure. And Mm -hmm. then he came back and wrote another book being like, I was wrong about the alpha dog, guys. But it was like, society was like, go fuck yourself. We don't care. (laughs) We love this idea of the alpha dog, and we're running with it. And now all these things... Like, Caesar Milan bases his dog training on it and everything. Oh, great. And it's just like, it's so insane. I love that, too, where it's just like, even if science, like, kind of like comes and corrects itself, like, society at large is like, well, we don't like the correction. We still like this original idea. Mm hmm. Sounds oh, about yeah. right. Curly, um, um, do we have to take a quick break? We do.
2: Okay. Alyssa, please don't leave us. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after these very cool messages. And we are back. We are back with Alyssa Carson. Future first on Mars. She doesn't even have to say it. We're saying it for her because we believe in her so much.
1: Uh, are you ready for one, Alyssa? Yeah. This, is, this is one that maybe will be close to your uh, Louisiana heart. Um, Ooh, Florida woman fighting to keep motorcycle riding pet alligator. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, That's, that sounds good to me. A Florida woman was... Fi- we usually stay away from Florida stories, by the way, um, but I mm-hmm. like that the photographs are alone. Uh, a Florida... <laughs> oh, this was in uh, Fox News again. Uh, it's by Fox News. I guess Fox News wrote this story. Yeah, they're good uh, A like Florida that. woman was fighting Wednesday to keep her six-foot-long, clothes-wearing, motorcycle-riding pet alligator <laughs> in her home. Uh, Thorne has a license for the alligator for 11 years, but the gator recently grew to six feet. Wildlife mm-hmm. officials say an alligator that size must have two and a half acres of land. Thorne told the Orlando Sentinel that even if she had land available, Rambo, <laughs> his name's Rambo, can't sure. be left outdoors because of his sensitivity to sunlight. Uh, Thorne takes Rambo to schools and charity events to teach people about reptiles and has trained him not to bite. Uh, hmm. Quote: He loves kids, and when kids come around, he shuts his mouth really tight so fingers can't go in his mouth. That is the sentence right before Rambo (laughs) eats a child's hand. Uh, Rambo is a dinosaur. Uh, (laughs) No matter how trained it is, it's still a dinosaur. But the best part is she. (laughs) This is the best part: is that this woman has this alligator. She dresses it up in clothes, brings it to schools. She doesn't have a car, so it rides in a car seat like a children's car seat that's mounted on the back of her motorcycle. Okay. And it's there's I will put the I'll post these photos to our Instagram page, the Bananas podcast uh, mm-hmm. on Instagram. Uh it is a it is it's an alligator in a child's car seat on the back of a motorcycle. I don't know how far, <laughs> how much else I could say about that um but she might actually get grandfathered in she might be able to keep this uh, alligator Have you see many alligators down there in uh, Baton Rouge
0: um not in Baton Rouge directly there's not necessarily too many um it's so funny though moving from louisiana cuz my i now go to college in florida and like man like there there really are like people just all over the place like this like it's it's so it's it's so strange
1: (laughs) yeah florida has that reputation for a reason
0: yeah for sure yeah
1: Yeah. how long have you been going to school now
0: um so i just finished my freshman year um at florida tech so that was pretty fun i mean i obviously had to finish like the last little bit of it here at home with online school and all but for the most part it was it was a pretty good experience
1: Nice. Are people, are, like, fellow students aware that you're, like, a budding astronaut? Or is he keep it pretty low-key and you're just like, I'm just normal. I'm a normal Alyssa. I'm not Mars Alyssa. I'm just normal. It
0: it was pretty funny. So I never told anyone anything. um, But everyone, like, figured it out eventually. But the thing was, like, I I had already become friends with, like, a good bit of people before they'd figured it out. So, I mean, it was really cool because it was kind of like how it was for all my high school friends that I grown up and known me forever you know they were just like wait so explain real quick and then they were like oh okay moving on and then you know just continue about um whatever and so you know it's pretty cool and you it's also kind of a good judge as to like who's like a close friend or not to be honest because like my closer friends can like talk about stuff like just as normal but like someone who like hardly knows me and that's all they know about me all they will talk about is, like, space or mention, like, stuff that I do. And so I'm like,
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. 100%. I get it. And then also, like, is it – just shocked that you knew from such a young age and that you continued to, to – to, I didn't even know what I wanted to major in in college until mm-hmm. two years in. You're, you know what you want to do when you're 40
0: yeah i mean obviously like all of the stuff is like big long-term goals but i mean obviously it's kind of changed and you know along the way you know originally i wanted to astrophysics but then i got more interested in something else so i mean it is kind of like still the same thing constantly evolving it's just kind of evolving kind of around the same generic idea
1: yeah that's
2: um, so cool that's pretty what, awesome
1: what's the craziest thing you've ever seen in florida when you were there
0: um oh, that's a good question I mean once like I was going into like a CVS or something and this woman was like just doing like this weird dance around the building and I had no idea what she was doing I don't know I just kind of looked at it I turned around and I went to a different CVS <laughs>
2: <laughs> that sounds about right. You've made the right yep. decision there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep.
1: Oh, by the way, that uh Florida woman fights to keep motorcycle riding pet alligator was sent in by Red Haw forty four. So thank, thank you, you, Red Hot Forty four. Scotty, give me another one. I will give you another one. You know what? I can
2: I'm going to give you the choice list so we can do another space related one or I can just go bonkers Florida. Either way, I'm happy to if you're sick of talking about it, if you're sick of talking about it, we're not going to make you talk about it.
0: No, let's hear more about Florida. I need to know what I've gotten myself into.
2: Oh, you're going to love this one, because this was sent in, I'm just scrolling for the name, but this story, sometimes you read a lot of banana stories in a week, and they
1: start to lose their their zip, their zest. Yeah, sometimes when you host a (laughs) Strange News podcast, you have to read a lot of Strange News.
2: Yeah, everybody I know now texts me Strange News, and I encourage them to do so, Um. Keep it coming. Here we go. This is from the Orlando Sentinel. So where is Florida Tech? What city is that in?
0: Um, Yeah, so it's in Melbourne. So it's about like an hour, hour and a half like southeast of Orlando. So not too far.
2: You can't get far enough away from Orlando. That should be the slogan of Orlando. You can't get far enough away. (laughs) This was written by Bianca Ocasio. And this was uh, sent to us by two people. This was Rebecca Sell and Megan Duhan, both through Instagram. Thank you very much for sending. Headline reads Man in bull onesie accused of trying to burn down ex lover's house with spaghetti sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Man in bull onesie accused of trying to burn down ex lover's house with spaghetti sauce. Oh boy. Tell
1: me how he tried. Great question. How did question, he try Kurt. to do that?
2: A man who tried to burn down his ex-boyfriend's house with a pot of boiling spaghetti sauce was arrested, along with an accomplice. You never want to make spaghetti by yourself. It's fun with a friend. Uh, In DeLand last week, according to Volusia County Sheriff's Office, Derek, we won't say his last name, 36, had an intimate relationship with the 50-year-old homeowner in Evergreen uh, Terrace. So this guy named John Sylvia uh, broke into the victim's house, took a flat-screen TV, A vacuum an air conditioning unit and a heater um and the victim who was at work called authorities after getting an alert on his phone from his home security camera so he sees this guy and there's movement inside his home he calls the cops um but the cameras really smart had been covered with a towel i mean guys (laughs) that's planning ahead uh when the deputies arrived on the scene at 7 a.m great detail they stopped uh, Irving, who and Sylvia, who were trying to flee the scene in a red SUV. Irving, who was wearing a onesie bull costume with a tail and bull nose on its hood, uh, was retrieving some clothes from the re- re- residence. So he went back in to grab some clothes, um, but deputies said there were no clothes in the car. Officials went inside the victim's home and smelled something burning. The report says the deputy checked the stove and saw spaghetti sauce scorching in a large pot. A washcloth resting on the side burner had already caught fire. In the passenger seat of the car, deputies found an empty jar of ragu sauce, which was retrieved from the victim's kitchen cabinet, according to the affidavit. The timeout.
1: So he broke in, put ragu sauce into a pot, turned it up, Mm -hmm. and then he was like, uh, my 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 booby trap is set yes <laughs> this will spontaneously combust and burn this house down yeah ran out of there
2: yeah you know it's 7 a.m when you go how am I gonna make this look like an accident with this guy that's already at work you know he's known for eating huge dishes of lasagna and ziti <laughs> in the morning uh at six six 650
1: <laughs> before leaving for work boil it uh, up with just a hot plate of spaghetti
2: yeah oh man he told the uh, so this guy says he was a victim uh the victim said he knew irving they used to date four months ago so maybe nasty breakup we don't know all the details of this clearly bizarre love triangle a very florida love triangle um he, uh, and this guy says he didn't know if the ex was burglarizing the home or giving him a ride home. Uh, so basically, the, this guy's like, "Hey, I'll take you home." He didn't realize it was being robbed. There's a lot of question marks in this story, but one thing for sure is, if you're gonna oh, and he got arrested for uh, and charged with arson, burglary, and grand theft, um, and driving with a suspended license. So there was really no. Wow. Besides the towel over and bringing Ragu with him, there wasn't a whole lot of planning for this. Uh, I love poorly framed arson jobs. This might be a new... As long as nobody gets hurt and nobody dies, send us the weirdest poorly planned arson stories you can.
1: Oh, gosh. Listen, you you got any stories that involve pasta or taking revenge? Mm. Eat your choice revenge mm. or pasta
0: um well that's an interesting um category to fall we're into sure. i think i might have something in, like in the arson category like yes. i remember oh i remember like i was i was just chilling in my dorm one night and then my roommate is freaking out because apparently this kid who she went to high school with um he didn't go to like our university i don't know where he was at but apparently he like Started a fire in the basement of a dorm with like fireworks, awesome. and just Whoa. like anyway, this huge like explosion or something happened. Everyone had to vacate, and she was like, "She was just so so. She's like, I knew this kid would do something someday." And I was like,
1: <laughs> 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 "You can smell them Here, out." Here's my question: uh, In Baton Rouge, are people lighting off fireworks every single night, all night long? Because in L.A. and in New York, it's constant. Everywhere across the country, I've just heard people just constantly lighting off fireworks for like three months now.
0: What? I haven't heard like a single firework.
1: Guys, wait. go. If you need a break, go to Baton Rouge. <laughs> wait, <laughs> we must be behind on the trend. Yet. We
0: don't really like understand what's going on in the world. We're <laughs> just kind of. we'll we'll maybe catch up maybe another month or so. when People are be like, oh, wait, we're supposed to be doing fireworks or something. <laughs>
1: It is That's very confusing. Right. A lot of people have a lot of uh, theories about it.
0: Interesting.
2: Yeah, Kurt, did you play with fire when you were a kid? Play. Did with fire? Did you play with like play with matches oh, yeah. and th- throw them oh. and light sparklers and?
1: Of course, of yeah. course.
2: I think every uh, every kid loves fire. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. I um I found I out. Fi- go ahead. I. Uh, <laughs> I found out that nail polish remover was extremely flammable. It's crazy flammable. And so my, I have an older sister, and this I was probably, I don't know, about 12. And so I decided I was going to build a hot air balloon in the backyard. And I filled up a plastic cup and stitched uh, using just thread and needle, uh, basically like a plastic bag over a cup, and then poured in the acetone or whatever it is, Light it on fire and it fills. It starts to fill. And so I was holding it in my hand and I like let go, and it was like hovering at about face height for i don't know two seconds then the plastic the strings and the cup all catch fire it tilts and then pours burning (laughs) nail polish remover onto my feet and i start running around but because it was coating them i wasn't getting burned except when it finished it's one of those things all my leg hair was gone i didn't have a lot anyways i was 12 years old but basically i lit a like a floating face height molotov cocktail and then just watched as it poured so that's science to me Alyssa, you're way ahead of the
1: curve. Um, For me, it was doing
2: the dumbest thing imaginable.
1: Yeah, when I finished, I think it was, ooh, I don't know, I think it was calculus. Mm -hmm. And I came home, it was like summer break. And I was like, I never have to do calculus again. So I put the calculus book inside, like a a (laughs) Coke 12-pack cardboard box and poured gasoline all over it. And then didn't know that, like, The fumes of gasoline is what ignites, not actually the liquid. Cool. Like struck a match right near it, and the whole thing just blew up. Uh, It was a very loud boom. Take that Uh, math, screw you, math. Math, I did it. Not this summer. Uh, Are you ready for another one, Alyssa? I'm ready. All right. Missouri teens steal what they think is cocaine, end up snorting their grandfather's ashes. Oh yeah! Uh, this is oh. this was sent in by Sarah Allegro. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, this was on Up Rocks, written by Ryan Perry. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan, yeah. you're killing it once again. Here's a fun one: A trio of teenagers rummaged through a Missouri home when they discovered, through Facebook postings, that its owner, Deborah Matthews, Deborah Matthews, was out of town. They came away with nearly three thousand dollars in cash and valuables. And they thought a fancy box filled with cocaine. Uh, Yeah. And then here... Just a million-dollar box of cocaine just sitting in there. Just three, four pounds
2: of cocaine.
1: I mean, like, I have my mom's ashes. I have half of my mom's ashes. It is a bag that is almost the size of my head. So they found... (laughs) we are like... A uh, two million dollars worth what they thought was <laughs> cocaine in a beautiful box. They thought they were at Woody Allen's house in 1973, and there and it is. And so here's the best part: yes. they did snort it, uh, and then they found out it was ashes. They were very upset. Um, but she also says she believes the miners are two of her father's grandchildren. <laughs> I'm oh, very upset because of the miners. I mean, they were his grandsons. So they, this woman. Her grand, her sons? No, I guess her, like, cousin, her, like, nieces or nephews are the ones okay. who robbed her. Uh, Great. And they snorted granddad's ashes. Boom. Yeah. Goes back to my thing from a previous episode, mm-hmm. that humans have an, a subconscious desire to eat the ashes of their dead relatives. But, um, you know, I'm just going off of it's my a comforting own thought. It's um,
2: a comforting thought. comforting thought teenagers uh all of my friends used to steal stuff in high school it's crazy like the boldness and i think that the kids that are like hey if you're not 18 you can't really go to jail and stuff but you can get you know attacked by a dog or shot or or arrested and thrown into juvie like there are things that can go very wrong if you're robbing a house uh we used to play flashlight tag like just i i don't know what people call it different regions we would play tag at night without flashlights and you would hide and There'd be hundreds of us. I mean, this, this, our neighborhood, I'd say on a given night, there'd be about 30 or 40 people playing the most intense rounds of flashlight tag. And at the end of the street, they started building new development. So we would go into these unfinished homes and hide in them. Sounds cool, except it's pitch black. And then in some rooms, like where a bathtub's supposed to go or a hot tub, uh, you there's just a hole in the floor so i remember running upstairs that had no railings in an unfinished house you know it's like the, there's not even drywall it's just completely the framed out house and somebody chasing me and then the feeling of free fall where i fell from the top floor to the basement hit the mud but i'd fallen through three floors because i just went right through where a bathtub was supposed to go Whoa. and just fell in the darkness and landed flat knocked the wind out of me and I remember, like, we were so young and riled up, and your adrenaline's pumping, and you want to look cool and all that stuff, that I just didn't tell anybody. I just kind of did that voice where you're like, oh, God, and I just gurgled my way out of a dark, unfinished basement, because it felt exciting, and that's what bored suburban kids do.
1: Oh, yeah. Do you do you have anybody in your, uh, in your neighborhood growing up, Alyssa? Ah!
0: kind of not really too much um so I mean like when I was like super super young we lived like right outside of Baton Rouge um and then when I started school we kind of moved but when we had moved like more into the city of Baton Rouge we weren't we weren't really intending on like moving fully into Baton Rouge so we had only gotten like just a condo um because the idea was that during the school week we would just stay at the condo which was really close to school um, and then on the weekends, mm-hmm. we'd still go back outside the city and stuff. Um, but then, you know, being a kid, wanted to play soccer, hang out with friends, do this, do that, which was all in Baton Rouge. So we all kind of ended up moving in, into Baton Rouge. But it was just kind of, a, kind of a whole lot of shifts and stuff growing up.
1: Yeah. That's and I guess you have, to, like, you have to kind of like stay out of trouble, right, to mm-hmm. become an astronaut? You can't get arrested.
0: Well, I mean, that would be preferred. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like that you're taking uh, in one of your TED Talks you talk about you know shifting the paradigm and approaching this in a different way and maybe blazing a new path towards becoming an astronaut and I love that I think that's so cool I've always felt that there should be um, like what you're doing is you're excelling and you're you're picking up all these skills and you're also bringing other life skills that are maybe non-traditional to the to the typical astronaut path I always thought that there should be uh, like, the United States, when they send up a mission, uh, they have the best of the best, and then they just have one average Joe. They just have somebody from somewhere to see the effects of space on that person and the psychological... Repro- it's the same way I feel about the Olympics, that every the host country in every event should send one just average citizen to compete in all the events versus so we can see at home, like, oh, that's how I would be. I would get dead last by five seconds in the 100-meter dash. But... uh, <laughs> Do you feel like it is an advantage that you're coming at it from a totally different trajectory?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's definitely super interesting because kind of the typical path of astronauts kind of up to this point has just been... You know, some people who have been successful in their careers, a selection process rolls around, either they see it or someone sends it, they're like, oh, hey, I happen to meet these requirements. Well, I'm going to happen to apply and then they get selected and they're like, cool, mm-hmm. I'm an astronaut now. Um, so it's definitely not, you know, and some of them, you know, have interest when they're young, but they just kind of lose and forget about it and then, you know, end up applying later on in life. but. Kind of just like changing the idea of like, what if we had that idea early in life and actually stuck with it and worked towards that objective. Um, so it's definitely, you know, just a different mindset of it. And it's also, you know, can be applied to other jobs as well, because, you know, obviously it's totally normal to not have it figured out what you want to do, but I mean, some people do, you know, some people really have, um, you know, something that they really enjoy and, or even, you know, if it changes along the way, it never hurts to actually learn and pursue or start seeing what you can actually get involved with, with something that you're interested in.
1: Also, I think that you're kind of creating a new model, especially for Mars travel, because there is, you know, there's a a good chance that a Mars trip could be a one-way trip, right?
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of people have, you know, well, different companies and different uh, people have kind of had different ideas for the mission to Mars. You know, some ideas have been to have a one-way mission. Some, you know, include a return. Um, You know, I do think that the first missions are going to have uh, like a return trip, just You know, for many reasons. First of all, I don't necessarily think that we're at the point of just like, you know, first hurrah, let's just send them and never bring them back and um, (laughs) just kind of hope for the best. I don't necessarily think that's kind of like how the space program works. You know, we want, um, you know, we want to kind of build up to that. Um, And then at the same time, you know, the goal of the mission to Mars is to have research done and all of this. And we can only bring so much scientific equipment with us. So, you know, I think in general, we're going to want to bring stuff back to continue to Figure things out and do research and stuff so you know just kind of those two you know first layer things i think that Mm -hmm. there's definitely going to be a return for for you know the first several missions but maybe we can work out especially as technology develops to where like the in-between time is quicker i think once Mm -hmm. that gets quicker then you know it'll be no problem
2: well, yeah. I volunteer as the bozo guinea pig, by the way, in 15 years. I probably won't <laughs> have much going on. I, you know, if it, I'll, I'm willing to go. How long does it take to get to Mars? Six months? Thank nine much. months? Something like that? Yeah. I got time.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm in.
1: Give me another story, Scotty.
2: Okay. This one is from uh, IrishTimes.com, I believe. IrishCentral.com, written by Shane O'Brien at uh, Sham Mob ninety six. Shane O'Brien, uh, classic Irish name. <laughs> yep. Um, Scottish man fined for calling Irish man a leprechaun. So Terry Myers, forty one, appeared in the Aberdeen Sheriff Court room after he sent his ex partner an email in which he made reference to the woman's new partner as being a leprechaun. Uh, <laughs> He is Irish. So the public prosecutor uh, has the ability to impose fiscal fines. She said that Myers uh, made, quote, various threats to assault to the woman's new partner in the email. Love additionally said that Myers referred to her new partner as a leprechaun in the email. Uh, the term, she said the term was found offensive since he was born in Dublin. Myers pled guilty to sending the message that was grossly offensive, indecent, and menacing, according to the evening express and that he used offensive derogatory language to refer to the woman's new partner the court found that Myers had convicted a racially aggravated offense so calling what? an Irishman a leprechaun you can get charged as a racially aggravated offense he was fined the equivalent of 350 American dollars And um, but in a similar case in 2008 a Liverpool court found that calling somebody a leprechaun was not a racist insult uh, And in that case An 18 year old Called a woman Named Elner Vince A fucking leprechaun uh, <laughs> And was not charged With racially Aggravated harassment It's so,
1: interesting That it's it's like It's it's not It's, it's, xeno, it's xenophobic If anything right Because it's just A country It's not Like a Scottish person Isn't Okay well We're, we're going to get Into a, a, a whole big to, uh, Yeah that's a on. Deeper
2: conversation It's uh <laughs>
1: But in an email calling an Irishman,
2: uh, an actual born-in-Dublin Irishman, a leprechaun could land you in jail and fine you gotta, 350 bucks. I got to delete some emails, guys. Could you got yeah. <laughs>
1: That's
2: been Kurt's nickname for me for years. That's one
1: of my go-tos. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> that seems fun. That seems like a fun, yeah, and it's, quote, petty and pathetic was what the lawyers were describing the attack I'm as. just but
1: surprised hey. that, in, in, that you can get fined for an email. I had no idea.
2: Also, let it go. You know, let it go. If it's an ex, let it. Why, why keep harassing somebody? Stop holding on to the
1: past. Alyssa, have you ever been to Ireland?
0: I have, actually. Been to Dublin. <laughs> Did
1: you see any you leprechauns? Like <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. We're going to get so
1: many Irish complaints. <laughs> no, we
2: love it. My, le- my mom's last name is Farrell. I'm safe.
0: no i uh i had gone for a um i went to the dublin tech summit um and spoke there which was a whole lot of fun so it was my first time in ireland i only went the one time um so far but it was a whole lot of fun um it was it was pretty cool because chris hadfield was there and chris hadfield Mm -hmm. is a pretty popular canadian astronaut he plays Mm -hmm. the guitar and sings so he's a pretty good like crowd favorite um and so that was, like, my first time being able to meet him. And so that was pretty cool um, just to kind of meet him and chat for a little bit. We actually, our flight kind of overlapped with, like, the last day of the conference. So, like, we didn't actually get to, like, sit in for his speech. But what we did was we went to, like, his rehearsal, basically, the day before. So it was so cool because he was practicing because he was playing on singing um, Major Tom. like you know, uh-huh. um, he was playing on singing. Classic
1: space right, song. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> He was playing on the singing um, that, like, during the conference or whatever. But he was practicing, you know, the vocals and the guitar sounds and getting into to sound right before the thing. So it was like being like at your own like private concert because like there wasn't anyone in there because it was rehearsal. So I was that's like, great. Wow, like ground control. <laughs> like I was like, this is so this is so bizarre.
1: <laughs> I love that this guy who has been to space already already a very impressive person to listen to speak yes. also feels like he's got to pizzazz it up a little bit and sing a song at the end give it a little flourish <laughs> a little flourish right at the end uh all right do you guys want two short little ones before we go before we let Alyssa go
2: i think so sure.
1: Alyssa, these are you, very short in and these are right these are right up my alley because they're both about animals i uh, i always i don't mean to choose most stories are about animals, but I end up doing it. Who this one was animals? sent to us by i think a hundred people mm-hmm. uh, drunk monkey sentenced to life behind bars after attacking <laughs> two hundred and fifty humans so this is a story about a alcoholic monkey sure uh the monkey's named Kahlua. Uh, Great name. Pronounced the same way as you pronounce the coffee liqueur. Uh, he will spend the rest of his life in animal prison. Uh, this is from 7 au, our well, favorite local Australian absolutely. <laughs> website.
2: Absolutely. Great work,
1: guys. Uh, this is by the digital staff. Thank you, digital staff. Keep doing your thing, Digi. Uh, according to reports, the animal's bitten over 250 people. One of his victims died. I'm so sorry. R.I.P. Kahlua is a pet monkey. I'm just going to read this because it has some weird things that I don't understand. Uh, Kahlua (laughs) is a pet monkey owned by an occultist. An occultist is someone who believes in the existence of supernatural agencies, but don't get too distracted by that. The owner said the the owner would regularly give Kahlua liquor to drink. We can't be sure if Kahlua was actually drinking Kahlua. This is where it gets a bit dark. The beloved pet eventually became an alcoholic when his owner. Uh, the occultist, again, not really important, died and the booze stopped flowing. The monkey became aggressive. Kalu oh, went yeah. on a rampage across the Mir- M- Mirzapur district in India, sure. biting everyone he came across. Uh, eventually, animal experts were called in to catch him. Now, Kalu is behind bars at the Kanpur Zoo. Oh, it's a zoo. Oh. <laughs> oh. this This article, I think, was. That's why they just said digital staff wrote it, because I, I don't know if this is... I mean, it's all real, because I know that there's many other websites that covered this, because we got a lot of them. We kept... But here's a quote from the Can Zoo. We kept him in isolation for some months and then shifted him to a separate cage. There's been no change in his behavior, and he remains as aggressive as he was. It has been three years since he was brought here. Now God. it has been decided that he will remain in captivity all his life. That is Sad. And just because he got it, that's crazy. Also, maybe beer. it was just grief. Maybe it was yeah. just grief. His owner died, or his buddy died, Who his drinking buddy died, and he just started biting people. <laughs>
0: See, things make a lot more sense now that we're talking about zoo rather than animal jail. I was like, what is animal (laughs) jail? I was like, is the monkey just like picking up his his, like cup and like playing it against the bars?"
2: No, my God.
1: Alyssa, I am so happy you said that because that ties in with this other story, this quick one. Hit us. Dutch police. Mm -hmm. Oh, come on.
2: The best police.
1: Oh, come on. It's okay. Website froze. It's okay. Dutch police arrest a bird. Um, Sure. This is from time. My thing is not loading for some reason. I hope I don't lose my internet connection. Also, just a quick in
2: between. We had a lot of you send a very good story, I believe it was from Austria, about a man getting arrested and fined for intentionally farting so violently at the cops. Um I'm gonna post that one on Instagram because the photo's so funny. But yeah, match uh, massive guess, uh, massive intestinal uh, disruption, and they find him, they arrested him for farting really loudly at cops. Kurt, was that enough of a halftime for you?
1: Yep. Police arrested a sneaky bird for its partner robbery. This is from go. Time Magazine by Rachel Greenspan. A Dutch bird was spotted at the scene of the crime, and the police evidently had a lot of fun doling out of punishment. So mm. they arrested this bird because this guy robbed this store with a bird on his shoulder, <laughs> <laughs> which is the coolest way to yeah, rob a store. Way is with a little parakeet on your shoulder the whole time. Mm-hmm. So they arrested the man, and they obviously had to take the bird into custody because they couldn't just let the bird go. It was a pet bird. Um, and they didn't have a bird cage, so they put the bird in its own jail cell and gave him a little sandwich, and then they took a photograph of it. And the only reason that this is great is because they have a photo of this tiny bird in a jail cell. Like and he has nibbled a little bit on his sandwich, <laughs> on his like jail sandwich that he gets.
0: Is he not uh, in for the bars? Like, is he that like?
1: Great question. That is a great question. Also, he might have his wings clipped. Do you know what oh, I mean? He might right, not right. be able to fly. Uh, <laughs> and then here's the best part: is that in in uh, when they when the media picked up this photograph, they put it on their Instagram. Uh, these specific Dutch police. Uh, mm-hmm. Dutch media picked it up and then put a black bar over the bird's eyes <laughs> to protect its identity. <laughs> Sweet pea? Yeah. Oh, yep. man. It looks really great.
2: That's so funny. There's a joy when you're on the beach and you see like somebody go into the ocean and then you see the seagulls land and start going at their like Doritos and sandwiches and you give that half-assed like, "Hey, watch it." And then you just give in and then you see 400 <laughs> like of the most ravenous birds in the world just ripping apart somebody's Quiznos. It's a joy. I watched
1: I watched a couple go into the beach, into the water. And a bird came over, they had their bag, it was zipped closed. The the seagull unzipped the bag, reached inside of it, pulled out a Burger King bag, <laughs> then grabbed the bag by the bottom, picked it upside down, dumped the contents of the Burger King out, and then found a chicken sandwich, Burger King chicken sandwich, that long one, and then unwrapped it, and then grabbed the whole sandwich <laughs> and took off with it. <laughs> Seagulls are very smart and they're awful. Yep, smart. And you, are awful. you a bird fan, Alyssa?
0: Um, I mean, I don't dislike them, but I'm not like a there fan go. either. Good.
2: Good.
1: No, we need that kind of diplomacy on, on Mars. Yes, exactly. I don't dislike or like birds, guys. Are you having fun up here?
2: It's good. It's not bad. It's not my favorite. That's how you know when somebody doesn't like something at a restaurant. You're like, is that good? And they're like, it's not my favorite. That means they hate it and they're gonna get fast food on the drive home.
1: It's not my favorite. Oh, uh, Alyssa, thank you so much for being on bananas. Is there any where can people find you? Is there anything you wanna plug? Any anything you wanna tell people about?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, you can find anything about what's going on, I guess, in my life or, you know, anything just space related in general, all uh, under NASA Blueberry. So whatever social media you like, it's probably there. Um, cool. And, yeah, just kind of, you know, keep whatever interest in the space industry alive.
1: Thank you. And bless, and bless you. you. Oh, thank
0: you. <laughs>
1: that was a quiet sneeze. I everyone. tried to make
0: it quiet. <laughs> thank
1: they- They can't hear you sneeze in space. That's what they say. Well, thank you so much and keep going for it. And I'm
2: sure we're going to check back in with you at some point. And uh, if you ever come across any crazy space stories that you think we would love, please send them our way. We would love
1: that. Thank you, Alyssa. And good luck.
0: Thank you so much. Bananas.
1: Bananas. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and engineered by Katie Levine. Theme song by Kehan Amati. And all of our artwork is done by Travis Millard. So please follow us on Instagram at The Bananas Podcast, where we post so many more stories and make it here. And you can share with us your strange news story by DMing us on Instagram at The Bananas Podcast. So listen, subscribe, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bananas. Bananas.